Hey everyone, this is Josh, back with Cardboard Chronicles. In today's episode, I'm interviewing Mikey, a collector who focuses primarily on basketball and football cards. He's got some great tips on how to make money flipping football cards, and also tells us what's it like, what it's like being a younger collector in today's landscape. Uh, he's got some great stories along the way, and I hope you guys enjoy it. And don't forget to check out howtocollectcards.com, a website I created dedicated to helping collectors of all skill levels build their collections feeling like you just don't know where to begin, you don't know what all these different things mean within the hobby, I've created this dictionary and I'm giving it away completely free. It has over 120 terms, all the terms that you need to know to get started collecting cards. We're also offering an advanced training course that is comprised of 17 different parts, everything from learning what cards you should be focused on buying for yourself, what cards are worth, where to buy the cards, when to buy cards to save yourself the most money, how to avoid different mistakes within the hobby that a lot of people make. Uh, it's just got everything that you need to be successful collecting cards, so please check that out. We've also got a bunch of new bonus content, and any new content that I create for the training course gets added for free, so if you've bought the course already, you're going to get all that new content, and it's free for life. I'm going to keep adding stuff to it. There's always going to be new content helping everyone, so please check it out. It's really extensive. It's got tons of great information. I think it's going to bring a lot of value to a lot of people. All right, everyone. This is Mikey. How's it going, man? It's going good, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. No problem. We've been chatting recently on Instagram quite a bit, and I'm excited to have you on. Definitely. Yeah, I'm uh, excited to talk about a couple of things we've been mentioning. Yeah, for sure. All right. So why don't you start us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background in the hobby. So, uh, so I'm uh, I'm 20. I started. I've been collecting for roughly nine or ten years now. Uh, I started back in you know when I was in middle school. I had a friend who was really into cards he had you know looking back on it you know curry national treasures rpas and anthony davis rpas back when we were like 12 or 13 but they weren't really worth much back then they were only like you know maybe 100 to 200 dollar cards back in like 2010 so we used to get all that and i always go to his house and i'd be like who would pay any money for these cards it's just cardboard with ink on it and you're paying like 100 200 dollars which to 10-year-old me was a, a big deal back then. And then slowly I'm like, oh, I started realizing, oh, he's making some decent money, you know, just buying them, going to shows and, you know, flipping. He wasn't even on, you know, this was before, you know, Instagram was really big with cards or Instagram was really big at all or Facebook was really big at cards. So he would just go to shows, buy and sell what he wanted, just the players. And slowly I started getting into it with him because, you know, I had a friend in the hobby and we did it together for maybe four or five years, just going to shows, buying and selling, just picking up things we liked. And it's turned into a sort of competition amongst friends where he would get something cool like, oh, look at the Jordan Auto I just got. I'm like, damn, now I got to go find something that's, that's better than that. So I, it was really fun. And those were like the good years of me collecting. And I, I really enjoyed That was when I really just, you know, I just get players I liked. Um, I was a big Clipper fan back then. I still am a really big Clipper fan, but big into Chargers, so I just pick up a ton of Clippers and Chargers when they were just garbage teams. So that's how I started out collecting, thinking it was the stupidest thing in the world that anybody would pay money for cards. And then, you know, I slowly started to get into it. He's since left the hobby, um, but I, I just continue on. I think it's, like, you know, just really fun. Gives me something to do in my spare time. So you haven't stopped at all? Um, I've taken brief you know like two month break saying like oh i'm gonna get out of the hobby you know focus on you know 
I'm a physics major in my school, so focus really on physics. But, you know, every time it just kind of slowly lures me back in. Right. After like a month or two, I'm like, I got to get back in. Oh, there's a really good deal. Got to buy that. So you're always just kind of checking eBay and keeping up with the values and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Especially because, you know, I'm always watching sports. So I'll see like Durant will drop like, you know, 50-point game or Harden will drop a 50-point game. So I'll be like, oh, let me go check eBay. See, like, what, uh, see if anybody just hit some bins. Right. So what have you evolved into today? What are you, what are you focused on now? So I, uh, I mainly do a lot of, uh, you know, basketball and football stuff. That's kind of the sports I like to watch. I never really got into watching baseball. My roommates try to get me into, you know, being a huge Yankee fan lately. So I'm slowly watching the Yankees and becoming a baseball fan. But I always used to play baseball and I was so bad at it. So basketball and football were always the sports I kind of gravitate to. So only because I know more about those do I collect um, football and basketball. But my friends are slowly trying to, in the hobby, are trying to get me into Bowman Chrome because Bowman Chrome baseball prospecting, even though I'm at going and kicking and screaming. <laughs> that one's pretty risky, right? I mean, what have you seen so far? Um, it's just like, it's so weird. I mean, I guess if you could do like some data analytics, it's not bad. Like if you could follow the stats and everything, you'd be like, okay, this guy's hitting, you know, 330 or whatever in single A. His cards are now worth $1,000 and I'll never understand that. But, I mean, if you could spend a significant amount of time and really watch the players you try to invest in, I've been told, listen, I don't, I don't know really much about it, but I've been told it's a really easy to, way to flip and invest and make money. Then you have, to, you have to be on top of it, like, almost daily, right? Like, the second yeah. they get to the majors, you have to sell. And... Yeah, it's a, it's a process. The second they get called up, like, oh, flip now. It's, it's, a, little more, it's a bit more intensive than I'd want to go into cards. I kind of use, you know, buying and selling cards as, you know, a stress reliever. And, you know, things I could do, you know, outside of, you know, school and work that I could just be like, okay, I could just hold this card and I know it's not going to go down at all. So, you know, like cards, you know, like Tim Duncan, Topps Chrome Refractors and stuff like that. Stuff that I have in my PC that's just, you know, I know it's not going to go down. I'm just holding for investments. Yeah. So what other, what other stuff are you holding on to right now? <clears throat> um, so I'm really looking for more of these, you know, like uh, Topps Chrome, um, Durant, not Durant, uh, Tim Duncan refractors. I think they're really low right now compared to, uh, compared to if you look at like Kobe's and Dirk's and, you know, even LeBron James refractors. If you think of all the people who have like really expensive refractors, like Giannis, LeBron, Kobe, um, Curry, even Harden's getting up there now. Tim Duncan is just so criminally undervalued for what his refractors bring. Um, try to get more Durant Topps Chrome refractors. I'm trying to get some PSA 9s. I just got this 9.5 pretty cheap the other day um i'll try to get more of these two uh some boat i think breeze is like the best buy you can get in football right now i think his stuff is so cheap for being one of the best quarterbacks of all time like i think i bought this for six hundred dollars and it's a refractor psa 9 the brady's of these sell around maybe five thousand so he saw a pretty big surge this last year in prices, right? Yeah, that was actually a, a cool story. I went to the National last year. It was so fun. It was my first time going, but I went around looking for Breeze. I'm like, why are Breeze stuff so low? And nobody had any Breeze stuff, but I was able to find like three or four of these, refra- these, uh, these refractors, and I bought them for like maybe $100 a piece. And everyone was telling me like, why are you buying these? Like, they're just refractor Breeze. Like, they're not, they're not really worth anything. 
And I think like two weeks after I got back from the national, they jumped up to like $700 a piece back back. Now they're a little bit less, but that was because of the playoff spike. But I think they're going to get back up there, especially if, you know, inevitably they get back to the playoffs this year. People are going to start realizing like, Oh, why is Breeze rookie stuff so cheap? And he's like breaking all kinds of records seemingly like every week. Yeah. He just, uh, I, I don't know why I think they got robbed that last playoff game, but I think they could definitely make it to the Super Bowl again this year. I think they're. I think his people are gonna start realizing like he's got almost Brady level potential when it comes to the hobby. Yeah, he's just not winning the championships. It's really the only th- the only difference. Yeah, that's the thing. He's got. He's won one Super Bowl, I think. Yeah, that was a bit before my. I started watching football a lot. Um, personally, I love to get these. Uh, like these nineteen thirty three, like the older vintage cards. I got this. Oh Gary. wow. Um. It's just cool because I like having them on my mantle and my, my friends come over like parties and they know nothing about cards. They could be like, wow, is this made in 1933? And I get to impress my friends. So that's just one of the couple things I get. 1.5, Kiki would be so disappointed. I know. I just try to get higher grades, but, you know, they're exp- they get expensive, you know, exponentially. No, I meant like, you know, Kiki collects the PSA 1s. Oh, no, no. I yeah, there's know. a guy that... There's a guy that I interviewed, and he collects PSA 1s of, like, historical cards. So 1.5 is, like, way too nice for him. Yeah, I kind of like the fact that it's got, you know, like, the rounded edges. It just shows that it's been, like, like worn throughout the centuries, and I kind of like that, actually. I wouldn't want – I mean, I, I'd take a 6, but I don't know. I kind of like the, the 1s and 2s. I feel like they, they show character. Yeah, for sure. It makes more sense. Like, how did how could a card gotten that far, you know, in perfect condition? It's not possible. Yeah, it's like you wonder what the story is. Did, like, someone just take it out of a pack in, like, 1940 and just, you know, put it in a – they didn't have card protectors, so what did they do? Right, for sure. Uh, why don't you tell us about the show that you just went to? I saw on Instagram that you set up at a show. How was that? Uh, I, I didn't set up. I just walked around. But it was a, it was oh, okay. a, local, it was a local show. Um, it was my first time going. So it was, it was pretty interesting. I really, I love going to shows. I just love the atmosphere, just walking around. It's like this, just cards everywhere. It's like my ultimate vacation. Like when I went to the national, it was like, it was, it was my time. It was the ultimate vacation. So I just, I loved it. I got to stay, you know, it's weird because there's nobody in my life that I really talk cards with. Um, so when I get a chance to hang around people who just know as much, even more than me, it's just, you know, it's a breath of fresh air. What kind of cards were you picking up while you were there? Oh, at the national, I was just getting everything. I got um, one card I missed that I sold that I really wanted. I got um, I think it was uh, an old Mickey Mantle Ken Griffey Jr. autograph. I'm trying to think of the year. I think it was may have been 1993, 1994. I don't remember the year, but it's the the horizontal dual autographs. They've since gone up a lot, and I got it really cheap at the national. I think it, I moved it for like $600 more than I paid for it. But it was, I, that was a card I wish I had kept. So how much of your time is spent uh, flipping, trying to make money in cards and then cards that you're focused on keeping for your PC? How, what's your balance there? Um, That's a good question. I would say that like, I'd say I, I, I lean more towards flipping because then I get money for my, you know, PC. Cause you know, I'm in, I'm in college and I don't really have a you know a job yet. So I can't really take the income from that and put it towards, you know, investing in PC. So if I want money to buy PC cards, I kind of have to, you know, focus more on flipping. So I'd say it's, it's roughly like, you know, maybe 65, 70% flipping and then like 30%, you know, looking for newer things to invest in. 
Is there anything in your PC that's just like locked down forever? Or are you constantly kind of evolving and moving around? Um, there's a, been a few things that have been locked down that I, that I thought were locked down. Um, there's this one card that I bought that I told somebody I'd never move. And I, I think it's true. It's uh, the Dadian Tomlinson, Jim Brown, dual autograph, 9510. It's not a huge card. It's maybe like 300, 350. But I, I'm a huge LT fan. I grew up a huge Chargers fan back in 2009, 2008. And I just love that card so much. I got so much like around my room, like autographed LT, autographed Chargers stuff. So I really, that's a card I just love because I also love Jim Brown stuff. I don't think it's a card I'll ever move. Even if I got like a $600 offer on it, I don't, I don't, which is like double the price. Right. I don't think I'd ever move it. Yeah, I think the, the thing that new people coming to the hobby sort of get lost on is like, uh, you can't really successfully flip or make money if you don't actually care about the cards and you don't have stuff that you actually like, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to get interest in something uh, and then just, you know, come in and flip and move out. So can you talk about that? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, I think that you're totally right. I think that's the biggest issue. People come into the, the hobby and they're like, Oh, what's the best way to make money? And I always say it's, you know, just any card you buy, be happy if that card never sells. So every card I own, pretty much every card I own, if it went to $0 tomorrow, I wouldn't really, I mean, I'd care, but I'd be happy having it at the price I paid for it. So even if, you know, all my Deshaun Watson Prism Silver rookies went to, you know, $10 tomorrow, I'd still really love having them because I really like, I like the artwork behind the cards. I think, you know, people always tell me like, why do you spend so much money on cards? You know, it's like, it's art. You know, that's, that's what it is in the end. That's why people pay like thirty, forty thousand $40,000 for cards. You see like cards that get big, it's the design behind them. Um, so I, I would like them just for display purposes and knowing that I'm happy with any card I buy. Nice. Um, I haven't had a, a lot of football uh, talk on here, so I'm, I'm kind of interested into, into what, uh, what, what other football cards you're buying. Like what, what do you focus on? What's like the hot thing right now in football? So I'd say the hots, I mean, obviously, um, it's kind of like basketball in a sense where, you know, prism silvers are, you know, they're big cards. If you look at like Baker, Mayfield, prism silvers, PSA 10s can fetch like up to $1,000. Um, I'm buying, you know, I think we talked about this a bit, a ton of Deshaun Watson silvers right now. I think I got like nine or 10 PSA 10s and a couple more raw ones on the way. But um, I think his stuff is super low right now. He's such a consistent QB. And he's really good. His team just always, you know, they kind of drop the ball in the playoffs or right before. But he's always been a, like, statistically great QB. Um, I was buying a lot of Mahomes silvers back when they were really cheap because football is really easy in the sense that a lot of it just goes way down in the offseason and then kind of spikes up right before the preseason. So if you can kind of just focus in on that and be a little bit patient, you can buy a lot of football, like national treasures, contenders, prisms. They all hold value pretty well and similar to basketball. And you can get them pretty cheap in the offseason and just flip right around August. The thing that uh, confuses me about football, it's like only about the quarterbacks. Can you talk about why that is? And is that is that true? Yeah, I guess that kind of is true. You know, every running back I see that's come out of a product in the past five years or so, they don't really hold value as much. I mean, this is kind of true with any product, you know, it's always hot when it first comes out and then drops a little in value. 
But running backs, for some reason, they don't hold as well or go up to the level that quarterbacks do. I guess because everyone's – if you look at historically, if you look at running backs who's the, who are like some of the best running backs of all time, you know, you know Jim Brown, Emmitt Smith, um, Adrian Peterson, who was so like big in the hobby for so long, um, Barry Sanders, all those people, they sign a lot. So their autographs aren't worth a lot, I think, because of that. And I think people kind of just follow that and assuming that, you know, oh, running backs will never have long-term value, um, which I can kind of get seeing that, you know, the big Hall of Famer guys sign a ton and their autographs aren't worth a lot. But I think running backs are starting to pick back up. You see like Saquon Barkley holds pretty good hobby value. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I came into football just sort of enjoying the cards themselves. And I really like Todd Gurley. So I was buying like so really nice Todd Gurley stuff for like I have like his gold prism rookie and I paid like forty bucks and it's like yeah it's 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 like so crazy multi thousand dollar card in basketball but Todd Gurley is like so cheap I guess like the only thing I can compare it to is you know centers don't necessarily sell as well in basketball for some weird reason yeah um so I I think I can compare it to that where like you know point guards or shooting guards or forwards will always sell better than centers. So I think that's why quarterback, I think quarterbacks also, you know, they get more of the limelight. They're more like crucial, even though I'd say Todd Gurley is a better overall like person to that team than Jared Goff is. Right. Yeah. It's interesting to watch from afar. I mean, I also thought like I am a big fantasy football player and I know like a ton of people play fantasy football and I always thought cards would be like a cool way to bridge uh, you know, coming from fantasy football and in fantasy football, it's all about receivers and running backs. So I thought yeah. like people it would have weird. a stronger connection to that uh, through the cards, but I don't know. Yeah. I always have to remind myself when I do fantasy, you know, and I look at the value of these players, I'm like, Oh my God, Todd Gurley's like the number one pick in pretty much every league or um, Todd Gurley, or you get Saquon Barkley or all these people who put up the most fantasy points back in the day. What is Calvin Johnson? You always want to draft Megatron. Um, right. You always have to switch your set. Like, okay, what's happening in like the outside world, even the real world, people who are really good don't, doesn't always translate to, you know, hobby value. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, since we started talking, I've been buying some of the quarterbacks and kind of watching what you're doing just to, to jump in and have some fun with football. It's, it's definitely a lot different than basketball and I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, it's definitely, I think it's, I think it's more fun because, you know, when your guy does well, I, I, I just find it really well because, you know, really, really fun because, you know, investing in that off season and then, you know, I like to hold, I don't think we, we think a little bit differently here, but I like to hold a little bit into the season, even though the the risk for injury is a little bit more. Um, I think it's really cool when you guys, especially like Mahomes last year, I did that with Mahomes before he went off. I had a couple optic contenders that I graded and sold. And I just, I, I found, I get really excited when I'm like, oh, wow, you know, like that investment's going to pay off. <laughs> and he just like exploded, right? Those first four weeks. Yeah, he he had such a phenomenal second season. It was kind of his, I don't want to say rookie season because he didn't get a ton of action his rookie year, but his second year, he just absolutely killed it, I think. And his his card market, similarly, like I said earlier, you know, goes down in the offseason. And, you know, once they go to, like, the the playoffs, they're going to spike back up against, you know, if anybody wants to make any money, just buy football in the offseason. Right. Um, can you speak to just being like a younger person in the hobby? I'm just talking to you so far. It seems like 
it's not really much of a you know there's not really much of a difference in in today's modern card collecting it seems like the younger person has you know just as much of if not more knowledge in the hobby so can you just speak to that yeah um i mean i've always been you know going around the shows as a younger person you know i'm only 20 years old now but back when i was doing this when i was like 15 16 i'd have you know i'd go up to tables with like a thousand to two thousand dollar cards and people would look at me you know kind of half weird like are you smart do you know what you're doing are you just getting like money from dad like how how are you doing this and i think people, I, I think people end up respecting you a little bit more when they when they see you so young um but i think that's kind of an issue in the hobby now so there's a ton of like you know especially if you look at the instagram world there's so many young people out there way younger and with way better cards than i started out when i started and I don't think a lot of the older people know how to handle, you know, oh, the 13 or the 14. But I think it's I think it's a refreshing fact knowing that there's a big wave of younger people coming in the hobby. Um, and I find that most times they end up being more mature than a lot of the adults I meet on here. Also, uh, I, th- I get the uh, feeling that people perceive the younger crowd as just like the flippers, the Instagram buy sellers. Is that is that true? Or do you feel like they, they also have like a, strong knowledge about the cards and, and a passion for it um i would say a lot of them like if you look they have they do pretty much the same thing i do where they have collections um i think a lot of them do get in it for you know the the incentive the incentive of money you know they can get in like oh you know two hundred dollars to a high school student is a lot more to than two hundred dollars to a guy with a full-time job and i can definitely speak to that when i was in high school and i sold a card and made like two hundred dollars i was like oh my god this is like you know i could go out for food for like four months now this is like pizza for four months so it was always good on that end so i just i don't know i think uh i think high schoolers uh, they tend to be more i don't know because there's, there's good and bad because you know the scammers you know at the adult level and you know the scammers at the the teenage level but i find that you know the kids i meet are, are good kids and they um they actually, they value the cards they have. And, you know, they're like, oh, I don't want to move it. Like half the kids I meet, they're like, oh, I don't want to move that one. Like, it's, it's tough to trade with them. So it's almost like they come in seeing the money and then they stay for the for the cards and the fun. Yeah, right? yeah, definitely. I, I would definitely agree with that sentiment. You know, I know a lot of them with just, you look at their personal collections and you think they're a millionaire. You know, they got just insane PCs because, you know, they, they know how to hustle. And I, I respect it, you know, I respect 15, 16 year olds out there, you know, hustling to make some money. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's easier for someone like me to criticize, uh, to criticize a teenager for only focusing on flipping. But like, to be honest, like you kind of have to, right? Like you, you don't, like you said, you don't have a ton of money either. You don't have a, you don't have jobs. So you kind of have to like, you kind of have to hustle and figure things out and, and kind of finagle things, right. To get to where you need to get. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely true. I mean, if I, uh, I'm 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 graduating in a year and I'm so excited to look forward to hopefully, you know, an income to where I can, you know, put some of that to, towards cards and I can, you know, focus hopefully less on flipping and more towards, you know, investing and keeping cards I really want. Um, but yeah, you're you're totally right. You know, people especially in high school and college, you know, I'm paying for my masters with some of the profits I uh I get through cards. So, you know, it's definitely we kinda need to do it. Um, I think it's quintessential hobby, the hobby, and I don't necessarily see anything wrong with it. You know, there's a way to do it right, and there's a way to do it wrong. And I feel like a lot of the people, when they say, "Oh, like he's just a flipper, he's like ruining the hobby," 
I don't agree with that sentiment at all. And I feel like there's a way to do it right, you know, where you can, you know, be respectful to everyone and, you know, give good deals, but, you know, just get cards cheaper. And I think there's definitely a wrong way of doing it too. What's the wrong way? Um, you know, the wrong way is, you know, like, you know, swindling, hustle, you know, doing it, doing things kind of like kind of shady where, you know, you'll purposely sell someone an overmarket card. Like I never, anytime I sell a person a card, I hope they make money off of me. I really do. Um, people who like, you know, they'll sell a card. They'd be like, I just, you know, I got that sucker over there. You know, that's, that's definitely the wrong way to do it. You know, I feel like people forget the best business model and the way to get people to come back and buy things from you is to just be a nice guy, you know, hope that, you know, they can get as much profit as you did, hopefully. And I think uh, <clears throat> most people see flipping as, you know, I found someone on eBay that had it way underpriced and they screwed up and then I sold it like the next day for more. But the, flipping is, is a lot more than just that one specific case, right? Yeah, yeah. That's definitely, it's definitely more than that. You know, I, I for example, like I bought a, a couple like Giannis Prism rookie autos for around, PSA 10s for around $700. And I just waited like a month. I would say that's less of an investment and more towards a flip in that sense. And they were around, you know, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars. I sold them too cheap, but you know, that's what I'd consider more flipping where everyone's happy in that situation. You know, it's just, it's just being smart and knowing what you can flip and when, when and where to make, you know, the most amount of money. For sure. Um, so we're buying football now. Is that, is that correct? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's I, I I prefer buying football, you know, maybe, what is it, May? Maybe like a month or two ago. I think that was, if you look at like um like Prism, Silver, Mahomes, PSA 10s, they were pulling like 130, 140, like two months ago. Yeah, I'm sure you got a couple of Mahomes, Silvers. Uh, they were pulling like, couple, yeah. they were pulling like 130, 140, like two months ago. Now they're pulling like, they're starting to push 200, 215 on ebay all day so i think maybe a month or two ago was the time to buy football but i think you can still get some players like watson pretty cheap because you know everyone's like oh who did really well last year like mahomes you know obviously brady always picks back up in the when the season comes around but i think you could still snag some players who people are overlooking so what about me i think think Gurley is a good good buy i mean he's super cheap right now with how horrible he was in the playoffs (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And he always just puts up insanely good numbers. What about uh, Baker Mayfield? Just talk about uh, him and what he's bringing to the hobby, what kind of excitement he has for new collectors. Like, what's the hype around around uh, Baker right now? I, I honestly, I, I like him. I just, I don't understand his market or his hype at all. I mean, I think people just love the fact that he was a rookie and he came in and made the the world's most garbage team, the Browns. And brought him to I think they were eight and eight or something like that which is like an okay season it's not that great at all but I think they like the promise of oh he's a young stud coming in with a like a new franchise they like that you know like the phoenix rising from the ashes of the shitty browns plus he's kind of a he's like an energetic fun like young guy like he's just yeah he's got that energy to him you know He's trying to plant flags into uh, turf fields and stuff. Like he's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely like him. Um, I think he's he's pulling that you know the same thing that happened with Andrew Luck. You know when he first came out in 2012, his National Treasures RPAs and his contenders were just so high, and they they dropped since. But um, 
I think that's kind of what's going to happen to him where, you know, you wait two or three years down the line and people are going to realize like, oh, he's good, but he's not like, you know, Tom Brady good. So his like, luck, is his stuff coming coming back up? now that Well, he's... It, it's definitely coming back up from when he was injured like three or two or three years ago. Like that's what I hit, think it hit an all-time low. But it's starting to make a bounce back. The thing is they just never really go far in the playoffs, far enough to really like, you know, if luck won a Super Bowl, his stuff would skyrocket. But that's why I think, you know, players like Russell Wilson are so undervalued because think about what he's – especially his first two or three years of the league. His first year in the league, he won he won like a divisional championship. Second year, won a play, won a, um, a Super Bowl. Third year, made it to the Super Bowl, I think, lost. But they've consistently been a playoff team and a Super Bowl winning team, and he's such a young QB. And I honestly have no idea why, like, people outsell him when he's so good. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's similar in basketball, too. It's like, you know, Baker Mayfield, Mahomes, and these Watson, these younger guys are more expensive than someone like Russell Wilson, who's more established. He's won a Super Bowl. It's, it's just kind of like the way it goes in the hobby. People like p- buying potential more than, than success. Yeah, it's weird. If you look at someone like Clay Thompson, right, he's multi-time champ, like NBA championship winner, one of the best shooters in the league. Um, has insane promise, max contract player. And if you look at this, you can get a Clay Thompson rookie auto for 30, 40 bucks. Meanwhile, like try finding a Luka Doncic auto that, that cheap. Yeah, it's interesting. And then what I want, it's always the same thing though. Like those rookies always eventually come back down unless they turn into some generational type player. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what happened with Tatum last year. And that's why I tend to stay away from basketball prism stuff or even basketball in general, because, you know, it's the same thing every year, you know, look at people like Tatum and Mitchell who are good players. They're not bad, right. but you know, I feel like it's the same thing as Doncic. You know, he's an okay player, had similar rookie seasons to Tatum and Mitchell and just dropped. Yeah. There's, there's so many people talking about how much money they made off Giannis, but for every Giannis, there's like 50 the, players. It's like, exactly. oh, on, on all this guy. Oh my, I, I look, I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting that point in the hobby where I've been in it long enough where I can look back at some of the cards I used to own and just disgust of like, oh my God, I moved that for like so cheap, like National Treasures, Giannis autos that I had that I'm just like, oh, I'm sick to my stomach for moving. Some of the Currys and like I said, me and my friends, we back in 2000, like 11, 2012, 2013, we had like Anthony Davis cards that would probably be worth like ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 now. Yeah. Well, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, anything else, dude? Uh, no, I can, uh, that's about it. I want to, I think, uh, I think Anthony Davis is a good buy right now. I know a couple people who are stocking up on his stuff. Um, I'm trying to hoard as much of like, you know, immaculates and, you know, there's a bunch of nice um, Anthony Davis. This is my favorite one I have. So crown Royale number to five auto on card. Dang. That's a rookie. Re- yeah. It's a rookie. I really, I got this kind of cheap, but I really love this card and I think it's a huge card going into the future. Um, I'm trying to save up for National Treasures RPA. They're around. They're pretty. They're so cheap right now. If you think about how good of a player is compared to like everyone else's, who's big National Treasures RPA. So you think he'll go into a big team and uh, a new team and succeed there? I don't know about succeed, but I think his stuff. People are gonna start realizing like, wow, his stuff is too cheap. Um, especially if you look at like Clay Thompson and Anthony Davis. If I had to invest in like 
any basketball cards going in the future, it would be their two National Treasures RPA. They're just they're too cheap right now. If you look at like Anthony Davis's, what are they bring like three thousand dollars or so, thirty five hundred raw, and Clay Thompson's practically less than a thousand. I gotta Don, guess. Doncic sold last night for eighty five hundred. Oh my god! See, like, yeah, that that just blows my mind. I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> that one will come down. So, yeah, they always they always do. Uh, any any other last cards you want to show off before we before we cut it? Uh, no, that's a that's about it. I but uh, I appreciate you having me on. Thank you. Yeah, man, appreciate the time. This was fun. Yeah, definitely. All right, thanks. Thanks, Josh. See you at national. Uh, I can't go. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I, I so wish I could. I'll be going to the Athletic City one. I'll be 21 then. Oh, there we go. All right, well, we'll see you then. See you, Josh.